Hey, Refuge, again, it is so good to get a chance to sing with, along with you, even from distancing from one another, and then to get the chance to open your Bibles together. So I'll invite you to do that. Open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 11. That's where we'll find ourselves today. Uh, we are coming to the end of uh, isolation, we hope, in our homes so much. Uh, and I'm pretty, so we're moving into phase one of the de-isolation piece. And so it's kind of fitting that we'd find ourselves in the same place in Genesis. This end of chapter 11 is kind of its own sectioned off. And then as you get into chapter 12, it starts a whole new uh, line of thinking. You get into Abraham. And so we'll talk a little bit about that today, but it kind of coming to the end of something, starting something new. So this obviously just kind of fell at the right place at the right time. So open your if you will, or you can follow along on the screen. I'm going to have the text up as well. We're going to dive into Genesis chapter 11. We'll pick up in verse 10. So um, read along with me if you will. Uh, these are the generations of Shem. When Shem was 100 years old, he fathered, he fathered Arpashad two years after the flood. And Shem lived after he fathered Arpashad 500 years, and he had other sons and daughters. When Arpashad lived 35 years, he fathered Shelah. And Arpashad lived after he fathered Shelah 403 years and had other sons and daughters. When Shelah had lived 30 years, he fathered Eber. And Shelah lived after he fathered Eber, Eber 403 years and had other sons and daughters. When Eber had lived 34 years, he fathered Peleg. And Eber lived after he fathered Peleg 430 years and he had other sons and daughters. When Peleg had lived 30 years, he fathered Ruth. And Peleg lived after he fathered Ruth 209 years and had other sons and daughters. When Ruth had lived 32 years, he fathered Serug. And Ruth lived after he fathered Serug 207 years and had other sons and daughters. When Serug had lived 30 years, he fathered Nahor. And Serug lived after he fathered Nahor 200 years and had other sons and daughters. Nahor had lived 29 years, he fathered Terah. And Nahor lived after he fathered Terah 119 years and had other sons and daughters. When Terah had lived 70 years, he fathered Abram, Nahor, and Haran. Intriguing reading. We'll keep going. Verse 27. Now these are the generations of Terah. Terah fathered Abram, Nahor, and Haran, and Haran fathered Lot. Haran died in the presence of his father, Terah, in the land of the kindred in Ur of the Chaldeans. And Abram and Nahor took wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife, Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah and Iscah. Now Sarah was barren. She had no child. Terah took Abram his son, and Abram took his son, and Lot, the son of Haran, his grandson, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife, and they went forth together from Ur and the Chaldeans to go to the land of Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. The days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. Let me pray for us before we jump into all this. God, we do love you, and we're so thankful that you love us. God, well, I pray that you will help me today as we uh, walk through these hundreds of years of genealogies to bring out some truth that you would have us to learn and to know today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I've been a pastor now for uh, about a little over 11 years, and, and all here at the Refuge Church. Uh, and, and before we planted this church, I taught a Bible class at another church for about 
five years. So I've been doing this for about 16 years, been teaching the Bible for about 16 years. And, and some of you who are watching or some of you actually here in this room have been with me for that entire time. And I would say to you, may the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine on you and be gracious to you for having to stuck with me as long as you possibly have. And so I'm very thankful that you have been along for this crazy ride, even for these some 16 years. Um, others of you are new to Refuge, and, and so you're kind of new to, to me being your pastor and new to this thing and new to church maybe. And, and so I would say to you, uh, may the Lord be ever be gracious to you as you begin this journey with us here at Refuge. We're excited that you've become part of our Refuge family and thankful for you to be part of this as well. And, and some of you are still not really even personally connected to Refuge, but you've begun to watch online and uh, you've turned into Worship Jesus with us. Uh, you've tuned into Worship Jesus with us as you sing along with us and you're doing that here in the city. And honestly, that's literally happening around the world. We have people literally on the other side of the world who tune in to watch and worship with us. And, and so I would just say... Um, I'm thankful that the Lord has used technology specifically during this time that we get a chance to connect together and we get a chance to continue to worship Jesus together and, and be together in times like these. And uh, my hope is that you're edified by this, that you're edified by the singing that we do, the preaching of the word that we do, and that fact that we get to at least virtually be together. And, and I'll just ask you that wherever you are, if you'll just respond with us and shoot us something on social media to say, hey, how long have you been connected to Refuge Church. Just shoot us something, pop a text up, shoot something on Facebook Live, wherever you are, and tell us how long you've been connected to us. That will be a huge benefit to us. And if you're new and you go, hey, I, I live in Atoka or I live in uh, a Bartlett or I live in Mississippi, wherever you are, tell us where you're watching from. That'll be a huge way for us to know where you are and how, we're, how you're worshiping and where you're worshiping uh, with us. Uh, and if we can serve you in any way during this time, if there are needs that come up, we know there are. But if there are needs that come up and how we might can serve you, by all means, please let us know that. We'd love to get a chance to care for you and reach out to you and serve you in that way. Just, just please let us know. Uh, so anyway, if you fall into any of the spectrum of those people that I've met, uh, mentioned, and honestly, that would be all of you, uh, you'll probably agree with me when I say that this text falls into the category of how in the world do you preach this? This is genealogy for goodness sake. I mean, this is, uh, this is some of those things you go, you pick up the text, you go, what am I going to do with this? It's almost like going to a family reunion. Uh, if many of you have been to family reunions, you go and your parents like drag you to these family reunions, you know what I'm saying, kids? And you're like, you get there and you're like, I don't know any of these people. I don't know how to say their name. They're, they're telling me that they knew me when I was a kid and they, you know, they're telling me all these kind of funny stories of, of meeting your aunt uh, Bunny, and you know, which reminds me of like Eddie Murphy, you know, it's like, come and give your aunt Bunny a kiss. Uh, but that, that probably happens. I felt like this when I'm, I'm reading through these genealogies and preaching through these genealogies. But I mean, for real, how do you preach genealogies without having everyone tune out? Um, I almost skimmed over this piece of the text. Uh, I talked to the elders and I'm like, oh my goodness, it's genealogies. And then I was just to fly right into chapter 12. Uh, we get into Abraham and his life and much more that we know about, but uh, the Spirit wouldn't let me bulldoze through it. I really tried to move on, but the Spirit just wouldn't let me go. So by default, you don't get to bulldoze through it either. Uh, so no bulldozing and no dozing. Uh, so I'm going to need you to stay awake. You know who you are. Stay awake. Wake up. Uh, pay attention. 
Um, uh, so the truth is that genealogies, even this piece of genealogies, is all part of God's story. Um, God, what we see in this is that God is sovereignly moving in and through and among his people even as we read through genealogies. And whenever we just read it on the surface, it's hard to really figure that out. It's hard to see, wait, how is God actually moving when we're just reading a list of names over and over? Uh, but it's especially important as we understand uh, biblical history, uh, it helps us understand uh, what God was doing and how he was doing it. Now, I know that um, uh, a long list of names can seem like just a bunch of gobbledygook. Uh, but let me explain uh, the text just a little bit. So I, I've put this together uh, for you to kind of see. So here, here's a, a screenshot of all that text that I read, and hopefully it will help you understand a little bit about how this all plays out. So what it basically says is that when Shem was 100, you can follow along, when Shem was 100, he had Arpashad, but Shem died when he was 500. When Arpashad was 35, he had Sheila, uh, and, when, uh, and then Arpashad died when he was 403. When Sheila was 30, uh, Sheila had Eber, and uh, Sheila died at 403. And Eber was 34, had Pilek. So you see where that, so just take a picture of that if you want to. But that's all of that put together, all that text that I just read, that's put together in this one slide. So you can see how old they were when they had their next, uh, the offspring that was mentioned. The scripture tells us they had a bunch more, but these are the ones that were mentioned. And it tells us, uh, when they died. And, and so then as you go ahead from this particular slide, you get to this, you get to Tara's family. And Tara at the end of this first section says that uh, he had uh, three sons, Abram and Nahor and Haran. And, and so Abram took a wife, Sarai, and Nahor took a, um, a wife, Milcah, which the scripture tells us, uh, let me go back, sorry. Uh, Nahor took a wife, Milcah, uh, who was Haran's daughter. So let me uh, let me do a little bit of my thing. Oh, there we go. I've already put it up there. So that was Haran's daughter, Milcah, married Nahor. I know that sounded seems strange to us today, but that's just the way it was. And then Haran had Lot and Iska. See, you tracking with me there? And then, so uh, the text goes on and tells us this, that Terah took Abram, his son, and he took Sarah, who was Abram's wife, and they took Lot, his grandson, and then it tells us that they travel from Ur toward Canaan and they settled in Haran. And so that's basically what you get from this whole text. That's, that's really summing it all up, putting it all together back and as the text goes back and forth. I had all kinds of notes out and I, they were writing on them and arrows drawing from one to another. But hopefully that'll help you at least get an idea of what all that text just told us. Uh, so we may be wondering, why does God take up these pages of scripture it really wasn't a ton of pages of scripture, but it was some scripture. Why does God take up this scripture with this kind of thing? But really, I believe that the point of the text is to show us this, that God is the God of history who is working out his eternal plan through the lives of his people. He's ever at work, always at work in his people. And that would be you, kids, that would be you that he's always at work, working things out in and you, whether you realize it or whether you don't realize it, he's always at work working out his plan in and through you. And so God's plan and his movements, they may seem slow sometimes, and but he is always at work. And this God of history is our God. It's the God that we serve, the God that we love. 
the God that we worship, the one that we come together, either virtually or together whenever we meet in a place, it's the God that we worship. And he's called us to himself, and he will steadily, continually use you and me in his eternal plan. And honestly, that should give meaning to our lives. I, sometimes we can think that our lives have no meaning, but God put us here put you where you are to specifically use you for his purposes to accomplish his plans. That's kind of cool to think about that God would choose to use us in this way. Now, uh, Genesis certainly has a lot of genealogies for us to consider. I mean, we, we've looked at the genealogies of Noah already. And, and, and so today we get to the genealogy of Shem. Um, and this actually ends up running all the way through uh, Genesis chapter 25. Uh, but today's specifically concerns the genealogy of Abram, or as most of us know him, Abraham. And so Abraham is really the central figure of Genesis. I mean, if you really think about how much is written about a particular character in the Bible, probably only Jesus has more things written about him than Abraham does. Uh, as we've already said, the first 11 chapters of Genesis, which we've covered, um, it's really the period of creation up until Abraham, and that's probably around 2,000 years, something like that. And then the next 14 chapters, so 11 chapters of that, the next 14 chapters are devoted to Abraham. So Abraham really is, what we'll see is, he's the father of the faith. Uh, in several places in the New Testament, it talks about this very thing, that they use Abraham is the prime example to explain the doctrine of salvation uh, uh, by grace through faith apart from works. Well, uh, as a matter of fact, God often refers to himself as the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And Abraham stands as the, the father of the Jewish nation. He's in the direct ancestry of Jesus. Uh, he is even uh, uh, holds an important place in heaven as uh, Jesus referred to heaven as Abraham's bosom. Uh, and our text today gives us the genealogy or the lineage from Shem to Abraham. So the question becomes, what can we learn from this genealogy? What can you mine from this genealogy that we can go, okay, rather than just skip this next time, whenever I'm reading through the Bible and I get to this, what can we actually take from this today? Well, first thing I would say is this that God's plan of salvation in history involves his choice. God's plan in salvation in history involves his choice. So what we see in the text is this or funneling of people down into a much uh, more pointed group of people. Uh, chapter 10 lists three sons of Noah, Shem and Ham and Japheth. And, but God chose Shem as the line in which he would bring blessings to the world. And, and of Shem's five sons, the scripture tells us that he had five sons, uh, we, God chose Arpashad uh, to actually have this lineage go on through. So you see the narrowing that comes down. Shem and Japheth, uh, we get to Shem, and then we get to Shem's one son, and that's where we continue this lineage. Um, actually, in today's text, it reads like this, that he had other sons and daughters, uh, but only one of those sons uh, was named in this uh, ancestry, which led from Noah to Shem and to Abraham and eventually uh, to Jesus. And so again, God is narrowing and determining, honestly, I would say this, determining the course of history. Now, you may be wondering, why is it that God chooses 
some individuals. Maybe you think like this, that he looked down through the corridor of time and he said, hey, I see kind of person that that abraham's going to be and so i'm going to choose abraham and uh, or uh he, he's going to live a decent life and and that's the life that i want to choose someone that's going to live that way uh we we think about this often i've heard this talked about in salvation that's the way god chooses people and people like to talk about the 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 uh the doctrine of salvation in that way that god looks way ahead and because he sees what you're going to do he chooses you in that way well, I just want you to know that's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. Uh, salvation is not laid out because God looks ahead and sees what you're going to choose to do, and then he reacts to your choices. That's not how God works. See, God's choice is according to grace and not merit. And that's really, really good news because grace means unmerited favor. So what does that what does unmerited favor mean? Merit would say, you choose me because I've done something good. You choose me because I've made a good decision. You choose me because I've done the right thing. That's merit on my, on my behalf. So you choose me because of my merit. Well, the scripture explicitly teaches us that our salvation is the unmerited favor of God. The un so there was nothing in us that would have God choose us that it was solely because out of his grace, out of his kindness, out of his love that he, chose, that he chose us and that he chose the descendants to be in this particular way. Now, we don't know a lot about Shem's descendants that are listed here, but we do know something about Terah. Uh, that's Abraham's father, and, and we know a little bit about that in the few generations before him. In Joshua 24:2, this is what the text says, from ancient times, your fathers lived beyond the river, namely Terah, the father of Abraham and the father of Nahor, and they served other gods. So Abraham came from a pagan family. Think about that. The father of the faith, the, the father where that father Abraham, remember father Abraham, and then he's not, yeah, yeah, you know that one. Uh, father Abraham came from a pagan family. He, he was probably an idolater whenever God called him. He was probably someone who was serving other gods whenever God called him. The text doesn't specifically say that, but because we know, again, from this Joshua passage that his family did that, then uh, his family served gods, we could assume that Abraham was probably the same way. And, and here's what we know too. Some of you come from pagan families. Some of you are well aware that you come from a family that, that was not raised in church, that doesn't want to have anything to do with God, that, that religion is something maybe you, you even mock. Uh, some of your lineage uh, um, it, it is, it, as followers of Jesus is very sparse. There's very few people in the lines up ahead of you who serve Jesus. And, and so maybe you're just in that lineage where you're a pagan just like Abraham was a pagan. Uh, that you, you, you don't have any real desire or, or very few people in your family have a desire to serve Jesus. So some of you are idolaters. Yet some of you have been called out of darkness and into his marvelous light. I mean, all of us who are Christians, we're, are, honestly, we're all idolaters. We all chase after other things. But many of you have been called out of darkness. Uh, you've been, you were going your own way. You were serving your own gods. You set things up that were more important to you than God was, and you're serving them. And you 
Yet you've been called out of darkness to serve the God of the universe. And here's what you didn't accomplish this on your own. You didn't just pull yourself up by your bootstraps and decide you're going to do that one day. Um, you didn't make yourself good enough for God to choose you. You didn't dress yourself up or make yourself up or, or do all the right things and go, okay, well, now that you've done that, I'll choose you. Uh, you didn't set out to be in a relationship with him because what we know is God's choice is according to grace and not to merit. So despite what your life was before, uh, like Abraham, God found you. That's good news. Uh, or despite what your lineage was before, despite who, whatever your family was like, despite whatever your family is like, is like, not even was, but maybe is like, like Abraham, God pursued you or is pursuing you. And despite whatever direction you were going or you are going, like Abraham, God can save you. God can and will save you and change your life. That's the message of the scripture, is that God is always at work. We, we sing a song at Refuge uh, called, uh, you know, I Ran Out of That Grave, and it says this. I'm not going to sing it. If we were in church all together, I would sing it because I'm ready to sing, but I'm not going to sing it now. I was breathing, but not. Okay, I'm not going to sing. I'm not going to sing. Stop, stop. Stop encouraging me to sing. I was breathing. No, 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 stop. I was, I, no, stop. I was breathing, but not alive. All my failures I tried to hide. It was my tomb till I met you. So the song we sing, it was my tomb. I was in the grave. I was dead until I met you, Jesus. You call my name. Then I ran out of that grave. That's what we sing. We, we sing this very theology that we're talking about in the songs. Uh, and then there goes to this bridge piece, and it says, I needed rescue. I needed rescue. My sin was heavy. <laughs> no, no. And so we say, I needed rescue. My sin was heavy. My chains break at the weight of your glory. I needed shelter. I was an orphan, but you made me a citizen of heaven. When I was broken, you were my healing. Uh, but your love is the air that I'm breathing. I have a future. My life, uh, my eyes are open because when you call my name, I ran out of that grave. See, this, this is happening because God is at work saving, calling people, rescuing people. It is God who does this thing just like he did with Abraham. Abraham. And, and so God choosing you never is dependent on your human that, that's the purpose that I'm talking about. Again, he didn't look down from heaven and go, well, there's a good man or, or there's a good woman. I, I need that woman on my team. Or I need that dude on my team. No, that's not how he does that. Instead, God chooses sinners like you and me to call to himself. And all the sinners out there typed on their uh, paths, amen. Yeah, if you're one of those people, type amen, because you know that you would not be rescued without God calling you. That, that's the truth, that you would, you would be in your sin, you would still be in your sin without God calling you to himself. And, and so Abraham was a sinner. Uh, God chose Abraham simply because of grace. Apart from anything else that God foresaw in him, God chose Abraham uh, because of grace. And, and, and if God chose Abraham because 
he foresaw anything in Abraham, then Abraham could have said, hey, I, I contributed some to my own salvation. I contributed some, uh, and I'm sure because of the few things that I did right, then that's why God chose me. But salvation uh, from start to finish is all from God and, and not from man. There's a, there's a story by, uh, that, that uh, is told by Charles Spurgeon, one of the greatest preachers ever. He was, a, he was a Baptist preacher, and uh, he was preaching one day at a Methodist congregation. So just stop for a second and let that sit in. One of the greatest Baptist preachers ever, preaching at a Baptist congregation. I mean, that's like dogs and cats sometimes. That's like rebels and bulldogs sometimes. That's like any Memphis fan and John Calipari sometimes. I mean, those, those things don't always mix together, right? Uh, and so he was this Baptist preacher, great Baptist preacher, was preaching at this Methodist congregation. And, and, and during the first part of Spurgeon's sermon, all the people as he was preaching, they were nodding in agreement. Uh, shockingly, even these Methodists were saying amen and, and uh, hallelujah. And then Spurgeon gets to this doctrine of election as he's preaching in his sermon, and suddenly it falls a little bit quieter. Uh, very, less amen, very few amens. Nobody's saying hallelujah anymore because what we know is our Methodist friends uh, do mostly don't accept the doctrine, uh, this particular doctrine of the sovereignty of God and salvation, as do some of our Baptist friends and other denominational friends don't accept this doctrine of the sovereignty of God and salvation. But uh, but listen, uh, uh, Spurgeon goes on and asks this question. He says, "Is there any difference between you and others who have not been converted?" And they responded, yes, glory to God, there is a difference. And we would, all, we would all respond the same way. Yes, there is a difference in us who, who have not been converted. And, and so Spurgeon said, well, who has made the difference, yourself or God? And they said, the Lord, they said. And Spurgeon shot back, yes, and that's the doctrine of election, that if there be any difference, the Lord made the difference. That's the, that's the doctrine of election summed up into one little quick story, is that it is God who makes difference in our lives, not our own doing. It is all of the Lord. Now, I'm fully aware that some of you don't like the doctrine of election. Um, some of you don't think it's fair that God chooses some and, and God doesn't choose others. And uh, you don't think it's fair that God shows mercy to whomever he wills and he hardens whomever he wills. But Paul argues in Romans 9 that God would be fair if he condemned all of us to hell. That, that's what would be fair. If we're looking for fair, that would be the fair thing for God to do. But is that what we want? I mean, do we want God to be fair? Well, I'll answer like Paul. By no means. We don't want God to be fair. We want God to be merciful. We want God to be gracious. We want God to be abounding in steadfast love towards us. That, that's what we want from God. Uh, but we know this, that God is also just, and he always does what is good and right and perfect, always. It, it, over in the New Testament, as you get into Romans 1, we, we see that in Paul's day that, that, that people suppress the truth. They could clearly see with their eyes the glory of God. Paul describes it this way. like He, he would say that the heavens declare glory of God. And, and you can look around at the sky. The, the power went out last night uh, here at the house. And uh, it, it was late. We were watching a movie and so power goes out and it's just pitch black inside. And we all decided to go outside so that we could see the stars because there's no lights impeding our view of them. And so we were talking about how far away those stars were. And when did that light have to actually start to shine for us to be able to see it? And last night, 
the heavens were declaring the glory of God. We were looking for the Big Dipper and the Little Dipper and all those things like that. And it was fun to see that. But even in that time, the heavens were saying, there is a creator. There is someone out there who has put all this together and it is always at work. And just here's a glimpse. I'm turning the lights out in your house so you can get just an idea about the glory of God in at work in and around you. And from today's text, it seems that some of the descendants of Noah and in the lineage of Abraham have gone the way of some, even as we see in Romans when it's talking about the glory of God, they've suppressed the truth. That even if you look out on a night like last night and see the handiwork of God, some people would suppress the truth and go, yeah, there's no God anyway. That's just all happened by random happenstance. And just as in Paul's day, the scripture tells us that sometimes God gives those people over to their own mind. God gives those people up. God gives those people over to the futility of their own minds. The point that I'm trying to make in all this is that God did not choose Abraham because he was a good man. God chose Abraham to demonstrate his grace. Uh, God doesn't choose anyone because they deserve it. He only chooses sinners who deserve his judgment. If you've been chosen by God, if you are a Christian, if you've been redeemed, if you've been moved from death to life, you didn't deserve it. You did nothing to deserve it. But God has chosen you to awaken you to the good news of the gospel. And, and, and I know that can be kind of a, a shot at our pride and, and, and we're prideful people. And so we can say, wait, we didn't deserve it. What are you trying to tell me? The reality is it's very good news that God chooses people that way. It really means that you can't do anything to qualify yourself uh, for God's salvation. You can only come confessing your sin. You can only come saying, I am in desperate need of a Savior. I am in desperate need of someone to rescue me. And the reality is that God says he will grant salvation to those who come that way. To those who come in desperate need going, I can't do enough on my own. God will grant salvation. That is part of the plan of salvation. It involves God's choice according to his grace. Now, again, some people stumble over this doctrine of salvation, uh, but the, the heart of salvation, or this doctrine of salvation, uh, that it is from God. He originates it. Uh, he moves in our lives before we ever seek Him. Uh, so we can't take any credit for our, for our own salvation. And honestly, that's intended to crush our pride a little bit. And I'm glad that that's the way God works. And honestly, it will bring us great joy to know that God sought us out, even when we're so undeserving that God seeks us out. And so Abraham's life teaches us that, that God's hand is at work in our lives sometimes whenever we're not even aware of it. He, he places people in families sometimes for a while we don't even know why he's doing things. Uh, he, he sovereignly moves people from left to right. Again, I, we're part of a blended family here in the Benjamin house now. And, and so we don't understand the reasons why uh, circumstances happened the way they did before we got to this point. Uh, we don't understand why choices were made or circumstances brought us to where we were, but we do know we trust a God who is always at work, even in times that are of great sorrow, of great confusion, or at times that we don't even like. 
We can know that God is at work. We can trust that very thing. And I like the fact that I can trust God even when I don't understand what's happening around me. Sometimes, even in families where maybe idols get worshipped, like in Abraham's family, God can t- still take a member of that family and use him and turn him into uh, one of the greatest people, one of the greatest heroes of the Bible. See, God chose Abraham for God's own purposes. And, and God chose Abraham by grace, just like he chose you and me, if you're a Christian. And God chose Abraham to complete the work that God called him to. And I hope you'll take great comfort from this. Secondly, uh, God's plan of salvation in, in history involves time. Uh, we don't know how much time elapsed from Shem to Abraham. As I was adding these, these things up, as I was putting all these numbers together, it came up to about uh, uh, 350 years from the birth of Arpashad to the birth of, uh, of Abram. And so this shows us that there's a real fair amount of time from the time when uh, no, uh, uh, between Noah and when God chose Abraham and began to call a people to himself. And, and so many people were born and many people died during this time. And, and the nations were spread out all over the earth. And, and many of people had strayed from uh, the truth about who God was. And, and yet for reasons only known to God, he still took a long time. I mean, 350 years is a long time, and that's a lot of people that were just filling the earth at that time and kind of going their own way. And, uh, and again, this, this bothers some people. It bothers me, honestly, if, if I'm truth, uh, if I'm honest and truthful here, as I, as I read the scriptures and I see this time lapse and people don't come to know Jesus and they still live their pagan lives, and I go, why are you doing this, God? What about all these people who never heard about you ahead of time? Again, I go back to what we can only go back to in Romans chapter 1, that creation declares the glory of God, uh, that creation declares God's goodness, creation declares God's power, and the Scripture tells us that people are not innocent on their own. They suppress the truth in unrighteousness. And so I just want to encourage you to be grateful for the time in which you live. Yes, in 2020, be grateful that you are born into this particular generation. Whenever God's word is abundant, whenever it, you can find it in any place, you can put it on your phone. You don't even have to have your hard copy of your Bible with you. It can go with you on your phone or your tablet or your computer, or maybe you've got it in your mind. Or there's, You can access it at any place and be thankful that you are privileged to know him. We have so much access today, and I would say this, yet so much apathy. So much access to who God is. So many preachers today, especially now today, where every preacher's got to be a televangelist. Uh, my hair doesn't quite swoop big enough to be that. Uh, but, uh, but every preacher's a televangelist now. So much access, yet so much apathy in today's world. Hey, hey, Refuge, let's don't be a church filled with apathy. Let's don't be a people that are just blasé toward the things of God. We've been given too much. We've been given hope. We've been given the future. We've been given a promise. We've been rescued from our sin. Our eyes have been awakened to the gospel. Let's don't be those people. From the text, we see that God allows time to pass in, in fulfilling his plan. But here's what I would say. Today is your time to respond. Today is your time to know who God is. Today is your time to come and to know Jesus. God is giving you hope. 
properly understanding and insight that God is, is who he is and God is wanting to save you. Let's keep going. Uh, God's plan of salvation in history involves individuals. Think about all the hundreds of thousands and probably millions of people on the earth by the time it got to Abraham. Yet God chose Abraham. Uh, he could have chosen literally anyone else in the world, but God chose Abraham. Uh, and, and think about this. An individual life yielded to the things of God. Uh, think about the impact uh, that, 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 that that can have. Uh, we know that God is, is weaving. I said it already. God is weaving our lives into the tapestry of this, this whole uh, lifespan, this whole world uh, that, that's going on. He is weaving our lives into that. And our, our call is to be obedient to what he calls you and me to do. He calls us to some things. He calls us to put away some things. He calls us to put on some things. Hey, put this, stop doing these things. Start doing these things. That's what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. And, and the reality is, even as we're doing those things, we might not see the full results in our lifetime. We might not see what it is that God is up to. We might live a life conforming that where the Spirit is conforming us into the image of Jesus and never see how He's using us and our life as we impact people. We might not ever see the full end result. It might be after we move on, after we, after we die, and after we move from this life into the next one, that God is continuing to use the impact of yours and my life in the lives of other people. Uh, verse 30 mentions that Sarah was barren. And, and it, as if you know the story of Abraham and Sarah, uh, you'll know that there's a big story that unfolds with that. And, and probably if you ask Abraham, Abraham during this time, and uh, while Sarah was barren, he, was he would probably be like, God, why are you choosing us? Why are you even saying these things about us and having a baby? You know we're not, we can't have a baby. We are barren and, and she can't have any children. I'm not even sure why you're calling me into these things. But we know that God turned that great trial into a great blessing. I want you to listen to me. Listen, some of you are in the middle of a trial. Some of you are in the middle of great trials, possibly the greatest trial that you've ever had in your entire life. You would say, today really stinks. This part of my life really stinks. But listen, God is always at work. We see it from Abraham we see it throughout the scriptures. We probably know people in the same way that God is always at work. Despite what trials may be, God is ever at work. We don't understand why he does something. We don't understand why he allows or causes things to happen. But, but like Abraham, we must learn to trust God even when we don't understand what's happening around us. Learn to trust him even if you don't understand. And so we see that in the life of Abraham. So God uses, I would say, Abraham's a famous person. So, so God uses famous people. But God's plan of salvation in history not only involves famous people, it also involves you. Even as God's hand was on Abraham, God's hand is on you. His hand is always at work. The, the very fact that you're hearing this message today says that God's hand is actively at work in your life. He's actively molding and shaping you and using you and conforming you however He would see fit and for whatever purposes that He has ahead of you.
especially if you're a believer. But even if you're not a believer, he is actively at work drawing you to himself. Maybe if you're here and you're listening to this message and go, well, I'm not a Christian or I'm not living a life that looks like it's following Jesus. You may be like Abram and living in the land of the Ur of the Chaldeans. And that's to say that you haven't come to know God yet in this particular way. And maybe you're like Abram and you're serving idols and you're worshiping other gods of your own making. And maybe your God is the God of money or success or power or pleasure, whatever those things are. But listen, today, the true God of the universe is calling you just like he did Abram, just like he narrowed all these people down to Abram to make a specific call on his life. He's saying this to you. I want you to turn from your sin. I want you to turn from following pagan gods, and I want you to follow me. If you'll say yes to God, just like Abram is going to say yes, your life will never be the same. Thankfully, God is a God who issues second calls. Uh, for those he uses in his plan, we see that over and over in the scripture. Here's, here's what we know. We get into the text a little bit further in, in Genesis. We'll see that God called Moses. And you know what Moses did? Uh, Moses killed an Egyptian, and then he left for like 40 years and lived in the, in the desert. Uh, God called Moses again. Or, or maybe it's like Jonah. And, and Jonah was well on his way, and he, he, was, he was on his way in a particular a direction, and God called him, and then Jonah went the opposite direction and said, I'm not going where you want me to go. I'm going to go in the very opposite direction of what you want me to do and God pursued Jonah and brought him back to accomplish the plans that God wanted him to accomplish God called Peter of the New Testament we know that in the, the night that Jesus was being betrayed or after he was betrayed and after he was delivered over to the uh, religious rulers of that day that Peter denied Jesus three times he's like I don't even know this dude I don't have anything to do with this dude uh, yet after Jesus resurrection uh, Jesus restored him God is always pursuing his people. And so maybe you've heard this message of salvation many times before, that there's God is calling people. Maybe you've heard that time and time again. But today is the day that maybe you're finally feeling hear, hearing it, that God is calling you again, just like he called Abram, just like he sovereignly worked through the corridors of time for Abram. God has been sovereignly working through the corridors of time to call you to respond. To respond to the call of salvation. To repent of your sins. That means to go, I don't want to sin against you, God. I know who you are. I don't even know you fully yet, but I know that you're the creator and you're my salvation, that Jesus, you died on, you lived I can't live. You died on the cross in my place. That You were raised from the dead three days later ever interceding on my behalf and you're calling me to follow you so today he's calling you to repent and to believe the gospel that there is no hope for you outside of the finished work of jesus and maybe today he's calling you to follow him like abraham i urge you to follow him today may god grant that to you let me pray for us.